Hi, this is Mrs. Bell from the River Ridge Learning Commons, and I'm going to read chapters three and four of Nim's Island by Wendy Orr to you. The last time I read to you guys, it was chapters one and two of this book, where we met Nim, her dad Jack, who is a scientist, and her two best friends, Selkie the sea lion and Fred the iguana. Um, Nim lives alone on the island with her dad, and he is a scientist. In chapter 2, he sails away to study plankton and leaves Nim for three days. And he is going to call her every night on the phone. But the second night, she's by herself. He doesn't call. And she tries to call him, and he doesn't answer. So she starts to worry, but then she calms her mind by reading a book, and she goes to sleep. So... We're now going to pick up with chapter three. When the sun rose pink over Fire Mountain, Nim phoned Jack again. But there was still no answer, no ring, nothing at all. Nim checked the phone, the satellite dish, the connections between the solar panel and the phone's battery charger. But everything looked the way it should. She checked her email, even though she knew he didn't have a computer on his boat. To jack.russo at explore.net from aka at incognito.net Tuesday, 30th, March, 2022.21 Dear Jack Russo, your article, The Life Cycle of the Coconut Palm, was as fascinating as a feature film and as fact-filled as a documentary. But I still have a couple of questions. One, how long do coconuts float? Two, do they float well enough to make a raft? Three, how could I build one? Thank you, Alex Rover. A letter, said Nim. She knew it wasn't hers. She knew that Alex Rover was just asking Jack a science question, but it was still a letter. It was as if someone somewhere in the world knew that she was alone and was saying hello. To aka at incognito.net from jack.russo at explore.net Date, Wednesday, 31st of March, 6.45 Dear Alex Rover, Jack is busy doing science. I hope he will answer your question tomorrow or maybe the day after. From Nim. She had heaps to do, and that was good because she didn't have time to worry about Jack. She made banana and coconut mush and snuggled warmly with Selkie to eat it for breakfast. Fred always forgot that he didn't like bananas, so he snitched a bit from her bowl and then spat it out across the rock. Yuck, Fred, said Nim. She didn't feel much like eating now either. She watered her garden with bamboo pipes trickling coolly from the pool. She towed wagon loads of seaweed to spread around the plants. She picked ten ripe strawberries and a handful of peas. Jack loved strawberries. She made a new broom with a fallen-down palm branch and swept the hut again. She filled in Jack's charts with a big no across the space for rain and the numbers of for barometric pressure and sea temperature, and east for where the wind was coming from. 
She wished it would turn around and blow Jack home, and she climbed the tall palm tree just in case she could see a see the white sails. And when she couldn't, her stomach tied itself into a hard, tight knot, and she went on being busy. She mixed up dough to make some bread. It grew swollen and puffy, and she punched it hard in the middle, oofing the air out of it, the puffiness and the knot out of herself. She punched and rolled it over and over till her arms were floppy and the dough ball was smooth. Then she wrapped it in a fresh banana leaf and carried it to the hissing stones where Fire Mountain met the rocks of Keyhole Cove, and fountains of steamy water sometimes shot high and wild into the air. Today, there was just a small yellow pool splattering slimy bubbles, and the rocks around, too hot to touch, hissing steam from every crack, and the smell like a rotten frigate bird's egg smashed on the beach. Nim squatted at the edge, out of the way of the wind and stink. She shaped her dough into eight flat pancakes and flicked them one by one onto the hot rock. What Nim liked best about cooking bread was watching the dough she'd mixed from dry flour, yeast, and water puff into warm, fresh bread. Science, Jack said, but Nim thought it was magic. Today, it was nothing. Today, when the bread bubbled and puffed in the middle, it didn't even make her smile. When she flipped it over with her bamboo flipping stick and then neatly back into her banana leaf, it was just bread, because cooking bread was what she had to do today. And if she did everything that she was supposed to, then Jack would come home tonight and everything would be all right. So she went on doing jobs, busy, 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 all day. She heaped fallen branches into a bonfire, beachcombed from the black rocks of Keyhole Cove to Shell Beach in front of the hut, and then from the sands of Turtle Beach right to the frigate bird's cliffs at the end. And she found three giant seeds shaped like hearts, ten new seashells, and half a wooden paddle that made her think, Ooh, oh no. But it wasn't Jack's. Suddenly, she was too tired to do anything more. She made a banana sandwich and curled up on the rock between Selkie and Fred to read the last chapter of her book. When she finished, she felt happy and sad at the same time because the ending was warm and smiley, but she didn't want to say goodbye to the people in the book. I'll read it again, Nim decided, and read the title out loud as if she had never seen it before. Mountain Madness by Alex Rover. Alex Rover, she shouted. Fred fell off the rock, Selkie honked crossly at being woken from her nap. Sorry, said Nim. She opened the book again and unfolded the newspaper bookmark. Alex Rover, author or hero. The most famous writer in the world has written a new book, Mountain Madness. Papyrus Publishing, $15.95. Cliffhanging adventure, romantic love story. Read it and you'll think you're living it. You'll feel the cold rush of wind as you jump out of a plane. The sweat on your palms as you rappel down a cliff. So, is Alex Rover the author or the hero? 
He couldn't describe these adventures if he hadn't lived them, but Alex Rover is not a typical macho action man. Anyone lucky enough to meet him will find a very special human being, a mountain climber who finds poetry on the peak, an explorer who sings the glories of the stars. Unfortunately, meeting him is not so easy to do. He refuses to give interviews or photographs. Delia Defoe, his editor at Papyrus Publishing, claims that she has never met him or even spoken to him on the phone. We correspond by email, she says. We correspond by email, Nim repeated. It sounded important and funny. I correspond with Alex Rover by email. Selkie, she said. Alex Rover's a hero. Fred, she added. I correspond with a hero. Selkie and Fred looked confused. They liked it when Nim used words that they knew, like coconut and fish, swimming and keyhole cove. But Nim was happy. If Alex Rover could sur- survive all of those wonderful adventures, so could Jack. He'd be home tomorrow, just like he said. To aka at incognito.net from jack.rousseau at explorer.net, Wednesday, 31st of March, 18. 18- 27. Dear Alex Rover, Jack is still away, but I hope he'll be home soon. I'm glad you're a hero because Mountain Madness is the best book I've ever read. It's like real life, except more exciting and everyone is so brave. And because it has a happy ending when the hero and the lady find each other and fall in love. From Nim. To jack.rousseau at explore.net from aka at incognito.net Wednesday, 31st March, hour 1332. Dear Nim, aren't time differences funny? When it's nighttime where I live, the sun's coming up for you. You're living in my tomorrow. The other funny thought is me being a hero. I'm as unhero as anyone can be. I can climb mountains if they're made out of paper. I can swim rivers if they're in my bathtub with lots of bubble bath. I'm not even brave enough to talk to reporters. That's why they make up stories about me. One reporter even made up my name and called me Alexander. Yours, Alex. Alexandra Rover. Nim had never heard the name Alexandra. Alex Rover had never thought that anyone could be all alone on a tiny island in the middle of the ocean. And so Nim went on thinking that Alex Rover was a man, and Alex went on thinking that Nim was a girl at home with her mother and maybe brothers and sisters, cousins and friends, and they both thought that they understood each other perfectly. Far, far out in the ocean, a sailboat drifted. On its deck, a man lay sprawled like a boxer who had lost a fight. A frigate bird, his dark wings as wide as a man, was tall, swooped curiously. Jack opened his eyes. He was hot, thirsty, and sore all over, 
When he scratched his beard, his hand came back rusty with dry blood. He sat up and remembered. He had been sitting on the deck, watching the plankton glow on the nighttime waves. Suddenly a storm had come roaring. He had pulled down the sails, but the wind didn't care. It threw the boat sideways, and he had reached for the satellite dish as it smashed to the deck. Now, there was a cut on his forehead, from, and the satellite dish was gone. And, if the satellite dish was gone, his phone wouldn't work, and he must go home to Nim. Jack's head hurt, and his legs wobbled, but he staggered to the tiller. He pushed the tiller, and then pulled it. But it swung loose and empty in his hand, and he knew his rudder was broken. If his rudder was broken, he couldn't steer. And if he couldn't steer, his boat was just a big piece of driftwood. Chapter 4 At Keyhole Cove, the reef met the rocks in a huge ring. On one side were the worn gray rocks where the sea lions sat, and on the other harsh black rocks of the wild east coast. Inside the ring, the water was calm and a light clear blue. The sea shushed in and out through the keyhole in the reef, but only the biggest waves could break over the top. It was a perfect place for swimming. You could float on your back because if you started to daydream, you'd bump your head on the reef before you floated out to sea. And when you rolled over, you could watch seahorses and, and shells and the open jaws of giant clams with polka dot fish racing through them. It was the perfect place to do a coconut experiment and find out how to make a raft for Alex Rover. So early next morning, Nim loaded up her wagon with coconuts. Fred climbed on top and she towed them across the grasslands because it was easier than towing a wagon across sand and rocks to Keyhole Cove. Selkie swam around to Sea Lion Point and sat and barked for Nim to hurry up. But Nim got another load and then another till she had 20 fat coconuts heaped on the rocks and then she hurled them into the water one by one. The coconuts bobbed in and bobbed up. Selkie barked louder and louder. Fred got so excited he dived in with the last one. Nim and Selkie jumped in too. There was still lots of room in the cove, even with 20 floating coconuts. Lots of room for Nim to float and somersault and stand on her hands, and for Fred to dash and dive, and for Selkie to swish, splash the water through Keyhole Rock. When Selkie was bored with splashing, she grabbed Fred by the tail. It was Selkie's favorite game, but she was so big and Fred was so little that it really wasn't fair. Fred's legs whirled. He paddled faster and faster, harder and harder, but he couldn't get anywhere. Leave him alone, Selkie, Nim shouted. But it was hard not to laugh, and Fred sulked at the bottom of the cove when Selkie finally let him go. Just before sunset, Nim tried to phone Jack again, just in case he had forgotten, just in case his phone had been broken and now it was fixed. But there was no answer. It was two days since he had phoned. If he didn't come home tomorrow... 
she could send an SOS, go and find Jack. But Jack wouldn't want help, and she didn't want to send it. She walked up to the pool to fill her water bottle, and she picked more peas for dinner. He'll be home in the morning, she thought. Something will happen. And something did. A frigate bird dived to scoop a drink from the pool. Sticking out from his leg band was a rolled up piece of paper. It was easy to call Galileo if you had a fish, but Nim didn't. Come here, she coaxed. Come to me. The big bird teased and soared, turned and dived. He swooped over Nim so low that his wings brushed her hair and so slowly that she could pull the letter out of his, the band. Dear Nim, I figured if I offer Galileo a fish, he'll let me post this letter to you. Had a fight with the freak storm. Storm one took my satellite dish, a bit of my rudder, and a chunk of my forehead. Can't figure out if I've slept for one day or two. Don't send an SOS. It'll take more than a broken rudder to stop me from getting home. Love, as much as a frigate bird, loves fish. Jack. Nim ran all the way down the hill, waving the letter in one hand and the water bottle in the other. Jack's okay, she sang, and she swung Fred in a crazy jig around Selkie. He'll be home soon. And then she wrote two letters. Dear Jack, I was so happy when Galileo gave me your letter. I didn't really think that you had forgotten to come home, but I liked that better than some of the other ideas. I've been very busy doing an experiment, but I'll tell you about it when you get home because... I have to write an email now. Love, as much as Fred loves coconut, Nim. To aka at incognito.net from jack.rousseau at explore.net Thursday, 1 April, time, 1830. Dear Alex Rover, Today I started an experiment to find out how you could build your raft. I dropped 20 coconuts into Keyhole Cove to see how long they'll float. They won't escape unless there's a bad storm with really big waves. I hope there won't be. From Nim. She peeled a banana, dropped it onto a piece of bread, and sprinkled it with fresh seaweed. One message, said the email box on the screen. To jack.rousseau at explore.net, from aka at incognito.net. Date Thursday 1, April, time 1337. Dear Nim, my hero would be devastated, annihilated, depressed, and soggy if his raft didn't float. What does Keyhole Cove look like? I picture a ring of black rocks jutting out from the shore stark against the blue sea and bobbing ridiculously around in this idyllic pool 20 coconuts waiting to be a raft the coconuts of keyhole cove sounds like a title hmm with a thousand thanks alex nim read the letter three times and made her feel warm and smiley like 
finishing Mountain Madness. And when Alex Rover described Keyhole Cove, it was as if he knew the island and Nim too. And that is the end of chapter four. Talk to you soon. Bye.